Where else can you go to not only find the information on how to train your dog, but the best deals on training equipment as well? Standing Stone Supply has everything you need to create that next versatile champion from DT system electronics down to even emergency med kits to take with you on your hunting trips. If you need some help with your training program, then their step-by-step -step online course might be a great fit for you, making it a convenient one-stop shop for the knowledge as well as the gear to take your training to the next level. Hit up standingstonesupply.com and promo code GDIY will save you 10%. As someone who constantly travels to new locations out of state to hunt, I have to rely on map scouting before I even get in the truck. Onyx Hunt Maps makes it super easy for me to plan out my trips as well as track my success while on the trip. The offline maps along with the tracking feature and ability to add pictures to my waypoints means I can always reference old trips and hunts to better prepare for the next. When planning your next hunt, be sure to use Onyx to put you and your dog in the best situation you can. Use code GDIY20 at checkout to save 20% and know where you stand with Onyx. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. GDIY profiles are bonus episodes that tell the stories of how your everyday handler got into the gun dog world. You'll hear plenty of examples of what to do as well as what not to do and how they learn from those experiences. These episodes are being put out to tell the honest stories that we as do-it-yourself dog handlers can all relate to. If you think you would be a good fit for a profile episode, please go to gundogyourself.com and complete the contact form and we may get back to you so that you can share your story. All right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the GDIY Profile. This month, we have Mitchell Conley on the line. Mitchell, how you doing this evening, bud? I'm doing well. How you doing, man? Uh, living the dream as always. So go ahead and start off with the obvious, what we always start off with. Tell everybody where you're calling from and what kind of dogs you run. So I'm calling from Brown City, Michigan, and it's right in the thumb of the Lower Peninsula. And I actually run a Golden Retriever and a Weimariner. A Golden Retriever and a Weimariner. So those are two dogs that... We don't really talk too much about on here, especially the Golden Retriever. The Weimariners, they kind of pop in from time to time, but the Golden Retrievers. So which one was first, the Golden Retriever or the Wyman? The Golden. My Golden will turn four in February, and my Wyman will turn one in January. Kind of steer us down the path. How did we end up with a Golden Retriever in the house? So kind of just growing up, I didn't come from a big bird hunting family. It was always big game. And so growing up, I always just wanted the Golden Retriever. and it's, it's kind of funny how I actually got into the upland game with the golden is I was like, I've always wanted a golden retriever. And I was kind of, I was kind of getting into duck hunting. And I was like, I'd gone out a few times. I was like, Oh, that's a lot of fun. And my buddy at work, we're riding in the van one day and he's like, you got a golden. And I'm like, yeah. He's like, you need to get that thing out on pheasants. I'm like, okay. So I turned on an episode of the flush when I got home and I was like, Oh, look, that looks like a lot of fun. I grabbed a dock and dead fowl, some, pheasant scent and i was like look at me i'm a trainer and 
I, I started doing drag sends through the through the grass and everything, and took her out to a game farm and shot her first pheasant, and it's been downhill ever since. Ah, <laughs> uh, you get you caught the bug, you caught the disease. So th- when you went out to the preserve, she she acted just fine. She actually flushed the bird for you. Yeah, she she actually she flushed the bird, retrieved everything. I mean, it was. And we'd only, that was the only bird we got that day, but it was a rooster. And it, I mean, I mean, you can't beat a rooster for your first bird shot on the fly on the wing. You know, I mean, it was, it, it's a preserve. Yes. But for the first bird with a barely year old pup, I mean, it was, can't beat it, you know? Yeah. So kind of walk me through what, what was the next step after the preserve, uh, pheasant, you know, did you, did you all of a sudden you got hooked? You start training, like did you did you go off the deep end? Kind of kind of walk me through that. I I went off the deep end, and I went off the deep end fast. So <laughs> the the preserve was actually during COVID. I was working like seven twelve seven fourteens a week, and that COVID break was actually my first day off in like seventy days because we were just so busy. And so I'm like, I'm going bird hunt, right? And I did the preserve. And then during that layoff, during COVID, I watched so much of the flush. I'm like, man, these guys are shooting all kinds of pheasants in South Dakota. I'm going to South Dakota this fall. <laughs> and sure enough, I did. I went out there. I went out to South Dakota, and that's what started my South Dakota trips. Um, I mean, I trained all summer for it. Well, trained, right? I use that term loosely because I definitely know what it takes to train for the one of those trips now. But I, you ran the dog all summer. Right, I ran the dog <laughs> through the grass all summer, and I'm like, "Hey, good girl," you know. <laughs> but it was you at least had conditioning in check, right? Correct. Yeah. But then it snowed, you know, like 16 inches right before South Dakota, right before I got there, and my game plans went out the window. I had no idea what I was doing. Well, how did that first trip go? Like you said, you didn't know what was going on. You didn't really know how to train for it or prepare for it. And the snow hits right before you get there. So how did the trip turn out for you? It it was good. We actually ran into a bunch of hens, bunch of hens, which I couldn't be mad about. And over five days, we got one rooster. And it was the only rooster that we had actually seen. Mm. So I couldn't be mad about it. I had no idea what I was doing. Yes, I drove from Michigan to South Dakota for one bird. Yeah. Okay. But that experience going out there completely by myself, right. I was only 20 years old at the time going out there completely by myself. You know, it was, you couldn't beat that firsthand experience. You know, there's no amount of books, magazine articles, YouTube videos, none of that that is going to prepare you like just going out there and figuring it out. Trial by fire. Right. Failure is the best way to learn. It really is. And, and every trip, not to jump too far ahead, but have you seen that like every trip you get a little bit better, quicker, you have a little bit more success typically earlier in the week? Oh, absolutely. So when we went out to South Dakota last year, which was our second year, it was, I mean, out of the truck. She was like, oh, game on, you know, before yeah. it was like, oh, hey, look it, there's a bird randomly out here. Oh, that's what we're doing. You know, now it's, oh, out of the truck. I smell them. I'm, I'm here. You know, she, she was able to put the pieces together a little better, you know? So that was, I can definitely see her putting the pieces together, but I also think it's also me being able to put her in the right positions to succeed. Yeah. You can have an all-star dog, right? If you don't put that dog in positions to succeed, it it never works. Right. And, and really part of that is just not putting her in positions to where they're there are no birds. You're not setting her up for failure. And that's what the firsthand experience really gets you 
is you, you kind of more or less learn more what not to do as opposed to what to do. Right. Absolutely. Talk to me like if she's coming around to it, she, she's gung ho, you're doing these trips. She's figuring out every time you kind of go out, where did the pointing dog come from? How did you end up with the gray ghost in your house? I was doing a lot of grouse hunting and my dog, my golden Chevy is a very tight worker, right? 30 yards at the most, whether that's in the field, whether that's in the, the grouse woods, doesn't matter. She's 30, 40 yards, 50 yards at the most, right? If she's real bird. We were putting up a lot of birds, but with that 30 yards, I couldn't keep her any closer. And it was so hard. It just seemed like every time that we were getting into grouse, the scenting conditions weren't really good. So she was like on top of them already before they were getting up. I was like, man, I just have no shot in these woods. Screw it. I'm getting a pointing dog. Why not? So, and I kind of wanted something that not everybody else had. So I'm like, short hairs out the window, you know, wire hair were like right there if i was going to or not i had talked to a couple wire-haired breeders i looked at britney's and i was like yeah those are cool looked at another thing or i looked at griffs a lot of people were coming around on griffs at that time and i'm like nah i don't i don't know oh look that's a weimariner that looks pretty sweet let's go with that and i found a weimariner breeder and that's <laughs> you know i i found timber doodles up in reed city for me which is you know, in my backyard and. Oh, Camille Rice. We just, I just yep. recorded an episode with her that, uh, I don't, I haven't looked at the calendar. I don't know if it's out before this or after this, but either way, uh, there's an episode coming out soon or it's already out. So go check it out. But so you went with Camille, what was it about Camille's program and dogs that really sold you on? So my boss actually was like, here, go check these people out. Right. I told him I was looking at Weimariners and he's like, go check Camo. I talked to her years ago about getting a dog and it just didn't work. I was like, okay. So I called Cam up and I said, Hey, I'm interested in Wimes. I'd like to learn more. She's like, come up. We're having a training day tomorrow. Come up and watch our dogs work. And I watched one of her dogs go on point and I was like, whoa. So, right. Yeah. And her and Mindy up there are two of the greatest people to ever meet and they're welcoming their welcoming arms just kind of, I was, it's a family, you know, that kennel. Yes, it's a kennel. They may do it to, you know, for whatever, but that is a family up there, you know, and that's, you can't beat that. Yeah. No, no, for sure. So, so you get the Weimaraner and, uh, it, I, I can't remember if you already said boy or girl. Oh, uh, the Weimaraner is a boy. Yep. Okay. So boy. So walk me through the similarities and the differences. You know, you're you're kind of still learning as you go. You're still very early on and new to all this. So yeah. you're figuring out the flushing dog game, and now you just throw in a pointing dog to to throw in an even bigger challenge. Right. So I, you know, I I kind of knew how to work a dog. Right. I knew how to work a dog in a scent. I knew how to work a dog through cover, and that was pretty pretty similar. Right. He's just faster. Right. He's out there a little more, especially when he started to open up around six, seven months. And, but his energy level, man, <laughs> it's, you know, my golden's just so mellow and he's at a hundred all the time. <laughs> right? And that, that just comes with it. That's just who he is. That's yeah. who the dog is. Um, but really figuring out his cues and when it's a point versus when it's not a point, right? When it's a creep versus when it's, you know, like I just watched my, my golden and she just goes in on a bird, right? I know when she's getting birdie. Oh, look, there's the bird, right? Yep. But 
from the pointer for my wine, right? It's okay. He's just creeping. Okay. Okay. Now he's, now he's pointing. No, now he's pointing. Right. It's, it's that whole figuring out what he's actually doing because it's totally different from what I've seen for the past three years. Yeah. And so you're, you're used to watching the golden get birdie crashing on a bird. And now it's, the sequence is different. You know, the dogs still get birdie. You can, you can still see when they get that kind of snort of cocaine and, and they start getting amped up, but you're waiting on them to lock up. So, you know, walk me through just the preparation of you mentally just getting ready to, you know, flushing dog goes in and gets it up and shoots it. Now you're, you're having to instill the discipline to not shoot bump birds, I'm assuming, and, and then flushing the dog so, or flushing the bird. Just kind of walk me through how, how did that training process go as you're figuring out the whole pointing game? So we trained on with Cam and everybody up at the kennel. We did a lot of training through the summer. My wine was on a bunch of chucker, a bunch of pigeons. He's got a lot of birds in front of him. Now, not as many as a lot, but I would say he's got more than most. And I, <laughs> I always wanted to just sit there and watch. And people are like, a couple of people are like, you going to go flush that bird? And I'm like, oh yeah, I, for, I, that's, I just forget. <laughs> you know, I, I forget that that's my job now. And I just want to watch him be on point. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, that's such a cool thing to me where it's like, I just, I just want to watch that. You know, so that process is a little different that I've actually got to go in and move the bird, right? While somebody holds a check cord, so he's not jumping or whatever, you know, but that transitions a little, you know, he's coming into his first season. He's only, uh, he's not even eight months yet. So he's coming into his first season, right? This year. And so that's going to be a little different, right? Cause it's like, Yes, I, I don't want to shoot a bunch of bumped birds, but if he goes out there in the first 20 minutes of the season and, and the bird gets up, you know. <laughs> I tell everybody, I mean, I, I live and die. I mean, if anybody has been listening to this podcast, they know, like, I don't shoot bump birds. You know? Right. It, it, it's just not it. But when you're talking about a young dog or, or a dog that just needs some dots connected, right. every once in a while, shooting one for that dog, just connect the dots, just to understand what we're out there for. That can go a long way. And, yeah. And, you know, it's like it's not the end of the world to shoot a bump bird. Just don't make it common practice. Don't do not do it too often, if that makes sense. Right. No, and I, I've heard that a lot. It's like, okay, yeah, he bumped four or five of them. On that fifth one, though, that fifth or sixth one, that dog has put in some work. You know, he's bumping them. Yeah, if he's, you know, if he's cautious around them, that dog's putting in some work. He, he deserves one. That's what I've always heard, you know. He, he deserves one. Yeah. I mean, young dogs, young puppies, I'll, I'll connect the dots. And then after that, bump, chase, bump, like learn manners. And, and right. that's that's what they're doing is they learn what they can get away with on these birds. And if they really want that bird, they're going to start figuring out like, okay, I, you know, this isn't working. Let's try something new. And um, so, so you've hunted a few seasons with your golden. Now this is going to be your first season with the pointing dog. Talk to me about long-term goals. Obviously, you're going to get the dog out there, and you're, you're going to try and expose it and get a bunch of contacts this year. But are you planning on running them together eventually? Like, not, maybe not this season, but next season. You know, is there any hopes and dreams of that, or are you just going to kind of run each one separate and, and do what each one specializes in? I've, I've thought about that a lot. So in certain situations, I could see it working where, like right now, my wine – for a pointy, you know, a pointy dog, 
is actually he's pretty close. He's only at the 60 to 70 yard range, which I feel like isn't that, that open. Right now. Now is that in a field or is that in the woods? That's in a field. Okay. I haven't had him out in the woods a lot. I've had him out to 40, 50 yards in the woods. A couple, the couple times he's been out. I like that range in the grouse woods. Yeah. Especially for a puppy. And it's, that's going to be, that's going to be good where I can still see and kind of manage what's going on a little better. But if he ever opened up bigger where he could, you know, the, you know, the 80 to 120 range and my golden could sweep everything at the 30, you know, something like that, maybe. Um, but right now that's just not really on my radar because I want to focus on him being the best pointing dog he can be and her being the best flushing dog she can be and just doing two separate things and not confusing the two. You know, they're, they're best of friends. They play at the house. They do whatever. But when, when it's time to hunt, she's going to hunt by herself. He's going to hunt by himself. Yeah. You start putting a bird in the mix, then, uh, then you'll see, but it's one of those things like when you see a pointing dog and a flushing dog working together and, and they've been trained up to that level appropriately, it's one of the most just enjoyable things to watch and experience. But when it's done wrong, it is one of the most giant clusters that you can come across and it's just like i don't i don't ever want to see this again in my life like it's just bad dog work it's a bad experience birds are getting bumped you're not having any fun when it's done right it's awesome but when it's done wrong man it's ugly it it is so bad absolutely (laughs) i've i've been on one of those ends (laughs) so yep so i mean obviously you, you have pheasant in south dakota you, you got grouse in your home state. I'm assuming woodcock are in there. What what else do you like to chase? Have you chased anything else, or do you have aspirations to chase anything else right now? So Michigan actually has a small section that you can hunt sharptails in the Upper Peninsula. And I know there's not – it was one of those things where it's like, I know there's not a lot of them. But if you can tell me that I could take one just to say that I did it, I wanted to do it. Yeah. And I – I had found a few places up in the UP and I was like, okay, this looks good. And my dog, this is, this is, I only had the golden at the time. Right. So golden goes out and she starts, she starts hunting 40, 50 yards out and seven sharp tails get out of this honeysuckle field. I mean, it's barely over my boot. Right. And that's, that's typical. Right. I had no idea what I was doing. I'm up there just chasing my bird dog around. And seven birds get up and i remember letting off two shots and i missed boom boom and then i just watched them fly because i was like my dog just got up seven birds that was the coolest thing that i think I <laughs> like i got pretty bird syndrome and it was bad like i literally just was like that was so cool <laughs> dude it's not a distraction or anything it's, it's actually being present in the moment and taking it in for what it is because there's been so many times where like there were experiences and flushes that I really wish I paid attention more to. Uh, but the ones that like stand out, I mean, sometimes it, it really is like, it just, the moment kind of sucks it out of you. Like you, you just kind of just fall into the moment and you just, you find yourself just watching birds fly away. <laughs> right. And that's exactly what it was. Like, I remember calling up one of my bird friends and I'm like, dude, this just happened. He's like, that's cool. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was, I mean, it was a cool thing. Um, I really want to get out to Montana. I really want to chase sage grouse at least one time. Yep. Uh, 
I mean, sharp-tailed grouse out there looks way more fun than it does in the UP in Michigan. <laughs> I haven't I haven't done it in Michigan, but uh, I was just going to ask. So you go to South Dakota. You've been there a couple times. Have you only tried pheasant? Have you not come across any of the uh, sharp-tails or, or prairie chickens out there? No, I really and, – and when I was doing that too, even if I tried – I think I would be too nervous because I was almost too nervous to do it this year to shoot a hen pheasant. So I wasn't good enough. I knew that like I was just too nervous in myself, I think to, to make that distinction on the fly. Yeah. Everybody knows a rooster, right? I can shoot a rooster out of hundred birds, but it's, Oh my gosh, is that a hen or is that, is that a shark tail? I don't know. So that hesitation always made me nervous to do that. Um, but once I flushed my first couple Sharpies up in the UP, I was like, that's definitely a Sharpie. That's definitely a hen fence. I knew the difference was good now. So I think, I think if I went back, which I don't think I'm going this year, I, but I, if I was to go back, I would definitely try and I would feel a lot more comfortable doing it. It's one of those, I mean, once you see them f- fly in person, I'm not going to say that there's not a quick bang, bang situation that you mistake it. You know, honest mistakes happen. Don't get me wrong. But once you see them kind of take flight, you can kind of see them and and picture in your head side by side and and you get more familiar with it, that that fear usually kind of subsides. Right. Again, not to say that it doesn't ever happen because it does, but you know, you can go out there and you, and you can figure it out after you see a good hen pheasant get up and then a sharp tail, you know, shortly thereafter. Right. And like I said, I feel after seeing the few out in the UP this year or last year, I feel a hundred times more confident if I was to go out West and do it for real. So it doesn't sound like you really have any big trips planned this year. It's, It's just more local stuff for you. Is that correct? Yeah. So I'm taking two weeks off. And I'm, I'm going to hit the grouse woods hard in the UP. So I'm, I'm just going to go to the UP for two weeks this year. Um, and I, I bought my wine to be a grouse dog and dang it, we're going to turn him into a grouse dog, you know, and that's, that's, that's what I want to do with them. So I figured we're going to do that. My buddy has an uncle down in Iowa and we're going to go down to, to with him for five days. That way my golden still gets on some pheasants. Um, we're going to do that in November, but, uh, uh, just my my big one big trip of the year is we're just going to go to the UP. It's about a four hour drive, and we're just going to camp in the state land of UP, and we're just, we're just going to go up there for a few weeks. Are you truck camping, or are you going to oh, haul yeah. up a tent, or what? No, we're just truck camping. If the girlfriend comes up, we might take a tent, stay at an actual campground. But if it's just me and the dogs, we're in the back of the truck. That's that's the way to do it, man. Yep, I I, I love it. That's what I prefer to do myself, honestly. So. What what are the plans? You got hunting and everything. What's the pl- ah, plans next spring or, or summer? Are you involved in any organizations, trialing, testing, anything like that? So at seven months this past, oh gosh, in August, um, my wine rider, Bo, got a 112 on his NA. Nice. So I was pretty happy about that. So we're going to try to build off of that. We're going to try to... Uh, you know, I'm not thinking even running in a UT next year, but just getting him more bird exposure, getting him more steady steadiness exposure. Building uh, towards it. Yeah, just building towards that. See what we can do. Um, but that's kind of our plan next spring. Kind of moving towards that with him. Um, my golden, I don't really do a whole lot with. She's she's what she is. She's not the best hunting dog. She's not. You know, she doesn't come from any huge line or anything. 
Did you ever do any retrieving work with her as far as like force fetch or any kind of formal retrieving program at all? No, she just had such a natural, just bring it right back. And even if like, I was okay with her dropping at my feet. And honestly, to this day, she's made the distinction that if this one's winged, let dad take it. If it's dead, she drops it at my feet. You know, she's made that distinction because she's really tired and she's got to go chasing the bird again for however long. She's like, I ain't doing that, you know, but. So I'm a little laxed with her because just that's just who she is. That's how she was brought up. I'm not whatever. She is what she is, right? But she just had such a natural retrieve anyway that I didn't have to do a whole lot with her. Yeah. No, it makes sense. I love it. Love it. So I asked the same two questions on all profile episodes, right? The the first one, this this is my favorite. I need to hear a story of something that you screwed up training exposure something something that re- relatable for the listeners that we all have that story of like man i i really didn't do that right or i could have done this better or this training session just completely fell apart i've been thinking about this right and it goes actually before i even bought the dogs and it goes to so a little little story about my golden chevy from the very start i noticed she had horrible allergies horrible skin and stomach issues right so we did a what's called a Midwest allergen test on Chevy. There are 84 allergens in the Midwest region that dogs can be allergic to. My dog is allergic to 72 of them. <laughs> that is almost every tree. That is almost every bug, every dust, every dirt, every grass, everything out in the field. She's pretty much, she's allergic to birds. Uh, Nick, I'm not lying to you. My, my bird dog is allergic to birds, right? So I, she's got bad hips. I know she does. She's got bad stomach issues. She's got bad allergies. And it kills me, right, to know that we go out there and we do what we love and we do all this stuff. And no matter what, when we come home at the end of the day, she's either hurting from her hips. She's either in discomfort from her allergies or she ate a piece of grass and now she's sick to her stomach and won't eat for two days. Right. Wow. My advice to anybody getting a bird dog, find a good breeder. That's where it starts because a good breeder it's worth, it's worth. Headache is the wrong word, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, it's worth that because it just drains you to see your dog like that. When you put in all that time and all that effort and you see her like that, it drains me. You know what I mean? So that's where, that's my biggest mistake. And I'm not saying buying her was a mistake. It's not going to a reputable breeder. Doing your homework, your due diligence up front. But, you know, kind of going back, you, you didn't really get her to be a gun dog. You know, it, 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 you kind of fell into it and, and not to make excuses because it's a damn good lesson, honestly. Like uh, the fact that you said she's coming up on four and mm-hmm. you're already having the hip issues and the allergy issues, you know, you have potentially another six, six plus years of this, right? Uh, that's, that's a very good lesson that anybody listening to this can kind of take to heart, especially somebody first starting out. Yeah. That's and like, we actually today, today was a rough one. We actually scheduled her, x-ray for her hips and that was rough you know like knowing it could help huge knowing what also could be on the other side of that right right you know so you just you just get you just scheduled that it hasn't been done yet correct we literally just scheduled that 
five hours ago. Gotcha. Okay. I'd be interested to hear the results of that and kind of what can be done on it, honestly. I'll keep you updated for sure. Cause I'm, I mean, it's, it's hard, you know, but yeah. it's, that's just is what it is. And like I said, if, if I could, if that's one piece of advice I could give to anybody. And like you said, I wasn't looking for a gun dog. I wanted a pet. That's what I got. She's the best pet. She's the best hunting partner I could ever ask for. Right. Mm-hmm. But if I was to do it all over again, I probably wouldn't pick her. Yeah. And just, just because of the physical or the physical side of things, uh, right. that, that that's what reputable and, and responsible breeders strive for in their program. Uh, right. that, that, that's a very good lesson. I mean, it goes right into what myself and everybody else preaches all the time. Right. Uh, and it sounds like you, you learned from that. You, you applied that to the wine search. You know, you said that you spoke to numerous breeders, different types of breeds. And so you really settled in. It just happened that you had, you know, one of the country's premier Weimaraner breeders in your backyard. Right. Three hour, three hour drive in Michigan is in my, you know, versus going across the country to California or to Oregon. That's, that's my backyard. I will take a three hour drive versus a 12 hour drive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my first dog, that was a seven hour, uh, one way trip. Second dog was 12 and third one is 12 to 14 hours. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. So, right. yeah, so you know, to have, like you were saying, I would, I'd put Cam up there with anybody in the Weimaraner game and have her less than three hours away. Yeah. 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 It was, that, it was an easy decision once I knew the, the, like the magnitude of her dogs that, that they held. And I was like, yeah, no, 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 no brainer. Fantastic. So let's go ahead and move on to the second question that I ask everybody. And and this is kind of a selfish question. I always ask everybody, what what's a an episode, topic, guess, something that, that you have found value in in the GDIY podcast as you've been listening? I think it's just because bird season so close. But that latest one you did with Jim Sorensen about every yeah. bird, man, that, oh, my gosh, that got me hyped for the season, you know? Um. I really like the one you did during your force, your force fetch session of the, the handling. I can't think of the gentleman's name. Bob, Bob Owens. Of yeah. Duck. yeah. Yep. Yeah. That was a really good one. I, I actually use that T post in, uh, in a lot of what I do with Chev. I don't do anything crazy fancy, but you know, but she does a little bit of work and I, I like that one a lot that I love handling the, the mentality behind handling dogs and whatnot. That's, that's yeah. that's cool. I really like that one too. Yeah, Bob Bob's awesome. I've had him on a couple times now, and uh, he's a world of knowledge. I mean, I I could I could do probably ten episodes in a row with him. And anybody that's curious that hadn't heard Bob Owens of Lone Duck, go check him out. Lone Duck uh, Gun Dog Chronicles. He's got his own podcast. But man, is there anything else that we're missing on the story of Mitchell Conley and getting into the gun dog world? No, I don't think so, man. I'm just a guy. Just out here chasing his bird dogs, man. And I'm doing it. I'm figuring it out for myself. Yep. Living the dream, man. That's that's what we do, right? Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on, sharing your story. And uh, you're, you'll have to let me know how the hip test turns out as well as uh, Pup's first season, man. It's it's exciting. It's, it's fun going into the first season. We just did a backpacking trip last weekend. And without even trying, we moved a bunch of grouse off the trip without even trying. Wow. And he was turning his head and turning into the weeds and turning into the ferns. And I'm like, 
we're we're ready you know <laughs> so so you took a backpacking trip with the dogs yep and and he's coming across grouse how's he acting around those grouse i mean i know that these are just kind of happenstance bump into grouse but what what's he doing as the pup a lot of it was like because i he hadn't heard a lot of big grouse flushes right so the first one he was just kind of like hmm, that was weird and kept on going but then the next one happened a little bit ahead of him and it flew away from him right mm-hmm. so he got the smell he got to see it fly and I think the only thing that saved me was he knew that he was tied to me, <laughs> you know? So I don't think, I think he knew he's like, well, if I run too fast, I'm just going to get jerked back, yeah. you know? So I think that's the only thing that saved me being tied to him. But, uh, um, he, he did well. He, you could tell, I knew where there were birds at because both dogs would turn simultaneously into the grass. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, <laughs> we're yeah. just walking the trail. We're just walking the trail. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, that's awesome, man. I, I I enjoyed this. I'm looking forward to hearing more about it and some updates. And, uh, man, we'll, we'll check back soon. We might have to have you on for an update later on down the road. Absolutely, man. I'd be open to it. Thank you for listening to GDIY. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to take a moment to rate, review, and share with a friend. Also, be sure to follow us and our partners on Facebook and Instagram under Gundog It Yourself. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to contribute even more to the future content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash gundog it yourself. Thanks again and happy hunting. Everyone seems to have the same questions or concerns when they start trying to decide which kennel to purchase for their vehicle. Perhaps it's time to stop asking all the questions and just design the perfect setup that meets your exact needs. B-Pro Kennel specializes in designing and fabricating custom premier dog boxes handcrafted right here in the USA from high-grade, lightweight aluminum. They'll get you set up with the size dimensions, lighting, storage, battery boxes with solar charging, and anything else you can dream of. Stop stressing over buying the wrong setup, just have to replace it again and year go ahead and check out bprokennels.com and get exactly what you want if you're considering changing your dog's food soon then be sure to check out yukanuba pro performance their science-backed formulas are designed to take your dog to the next level of performance they also now have the new puppy formula to help your pup start strong and live active when looking at all the different food options remember yukanuba to help power their ultimate performance Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's Bob from Lone Duck's Gun Dog Chronicles podcast. I hope you just enjoyed the episode you just listened to. And if you did, I think you'll enjoy hopping on ours. We've got professional retriever trainers and upland bird dog trainers from across the country and world sharing their tips and tricks and great stories to help you and your dog get ready for the season. We'll see you there.